Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. You may know me from Bravo TV's Family Karma and, of course, social media. I grew up in a very conservative Indian family, but I have always forged my own path and live life on my own terms. I recently left my successful career in New York City and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing and I know you are too. Join me as I spill the chai on my own cringeworthy personal life experiences every Thursday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the show. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of Friend of a Friend, a show where we sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and new friends to host inspiring but down-to-earth conversations with some of my favorite luminaries who are making good change. For all of my aspiring journalists who are tuning in right now, myself very much included, today's episode is a good one because we have the queen of the red carpet, fashion and beauty guru, journalist extraordinaire, Zana Roberts-Rossi joining us. Zana is an Emmy award-winning fashion and beauty journalist, stylist, television host, and co-founder of Milk Makeup. She's currently the fashion editor-at-large for Marie Claire and an E! News fashion correspondent, who I'm sure is no stranger to your television screens. She's interviewed the stars at the Oscars, Golden Globes, Grammys, Met Gala, Emmy Awards, and New York Fashion Week. She's truly a master of all trades. She's been a mentor, judge, stylist, and host on shows like Project Runway, E! News, and her miniseries, Commuter Beauty which garnered millions of views on Instagram of her on-the-go applying products from her cult favorite beauty brand. In this episode, Zana tells us about her rise as an entertainment journalist and the best tips she has for nailing the interview. She also tells us about the founding of Milk Makeup alongside her husband, its rise to a number one seller at Sephora, and how its fun utilitarian nature was inspired by their adorable twin daughters. I hope you guys love the episode. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet and you find yourself coming back each week, Take the time to subscribe, and if you love the show, share it with a friend. I love seeing when you guys are listening, so make sure you take a screenshot when you do and tag me on Instagram, at Liv Perez. I always reshare as you guys are listening. Again, I'm at Liv Perez with two Vs on social. I appreciate you all, and thanks so much for listening. Here's my friend, Zana Roberts-Rossi. For everybody who's just tuning in, can you introduce yourself for people who might not have met you before? I can. I am Zan Roberts-Rossi. I am mother of two six-year-old girls, twins, obviously. I am English-born, moved to the States 
15 years ago nearly uh, to New York, but was born in Manchester in England, one of three girls. I'm one of five girls. You are not. I am. So I understand. (laughs) I'm I'm second youngest, but my my family age range is huge. My oldest sister is like 51 and my youngest sister is 19. So it's a madhouse. Wow. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. I see. I often think about this. I'm like, you know, it's great to have just the two and the the girls are amazing, but like, you know what? It's all about like family table, right? When it comes to it, like later on in life. Oh yeah. Who do you want sat around that Christmas table? I'm like, I just want loads of kids there. Um, But when you're actually in it, the reality of juggling, being a parent and working and having your own life and, you know, managing up and down as it comes to us at this point in life is quite stressful to even think about doing more kids at this point. I can definitely understand that. I admire you a ton because of the fact that in my mind, you are a master storyteller. You are an editor at large. You are a co-founder of Milk Makeup and you're a fashion correspondent for E! News. All of these things in my mind at the end of the day, even though it kind of melds fashion and beauty and all these things, like you have a gift for storytelling. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how that started for you. Was that a part of your childhood? And was it something that you always were interested in doing? A good question. Um, a big one. As I said, I was born in Manchester. I was one of three girls. Grew up really very, very wonderful childhood. You know, very, my dad went to work. My mom looked after us. My two older sisters were fun, fabulous, obsessed with makeup and music and fashion. So I think that's where I got it from. And my mom was always into it too. But it was very relatable. It wasn't like crazy avant-garde. No one was wearing designer clothes or anything. But I was definitely around it, just being around all these fun females who had fun with self-expression. I moved to London at quite an early age after studying psychology um, and communication studies, actually, and then um, got a job as an intern at a magazine. And that was true. I was nineteen, twenty, And that was really like the moment I was like, this is incredible. This is so fascinating how all these things that I've always watched my mom and my sister do or been really interested in myself is actually a job for someone. Somebody puts all this stuff together. They curate amazing makeup looks, amazing models, amazing stories, put it on a page and then deliver it and impart really great, useful information. So I was like, oh, that's an editor. <laughs> okay, now I know what I want to do. And because I'd studied you know, communication and psychology as well, I was super fascinated by not only writing, but the message we send, you know, how we look, you know, what we do with our hair, how we wear a certain red lipstick to make people pay attention to what's coming out of our mouths, you know, the basics to the more intricacies of it. Yeah, it started there. So I ended up as an intern. I then got a job at Marie Claire in the UK as a beauty assistant. I worked my way up the masthead then. You do everything in, in British Marie Claire, or British magazines, I should say. You really are the jack of all trades, right? So it was a skeletal staff, and you are writing the copy, casting the models, styling the shoots, art directing the shoots, calling in all the clothes, you know, writing it when it's all done, putting it together, wanting to go to press. I mean, it's so, the best school ever. So to your question about like, where did you learn the storytelling? I think that was probably the best school I could have gone to for it because you are in it. You are doing absolutely every job. I loved hearing that your family and especially your sisters loved beauty growing up because that's definitely a thing when you grow up with sisters that it's, you know, I'll never forget the first time my older sister pulled me into a room and was like, you're doing this wrong. Let me help you. 
What was the best tip that your mom or even your sister's beauty tip that they gave you growing up? First of all, I love your sister gave you tips. That's really (laughs) good for you, sister. I had like smudgy eyeliner all under my eyes and she was like, let's have a talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. Um, I think mine was more, it was less of them helping me. It was more of them hiding their stuff from me because I was just, I would literally sneak into their bedrooms when they go to school or after school activities and steal like there was a it was a rimmel lipstick and it was called twilight teaser it was like a purple it was actually really cool color when i think that like a purpley mauvey like little bit of a holographic in it sounds crazy but it was actually cool but i remember at first applying that and then it wasn't really a tip it was just more me just stealing their makeup i learned (laughs) the tip was learn how to uh copy them just watch them and copy them really I think was what it was and then you figure out like just the power I remember putting that lipstick on and then I think I pulled my hair back really tight my god I felt like a different person completely different but I was like this is powerful and being only probably 11 at the time I was like okay oh this is cool yes it definitely is I remember makeup being such an important part of your identity as a small as a small child figuring out oh like this is what makes me feel beautiful. Or even when I take it off, I still beautiful. I still feel beautiful in myself. But I think make like exploring makeup as a young child is so much fun to just discover like your creativity, even within yourself. Like, oh, I'm gonna put this winged eyeliner on, and all of a sudden, like, I look a little bit more rebellious than I usually yeah. do, or a red lip. Like, all those things were so much fun to to dabble with when I was younger. Yeah, you can definitely. You feel like you're changing your character, which you are. You know, you're changing it to the outside world in some respect, and that's just based on however you're feeling that day. Which is, you know, it's partly why we we created Milk Makeup as well. It's all about living your look and whatever that look you want to live that day, do it. Yeah. So, what was your first interview where you were like, "Okay, I'm on my way"? You know, one of the first interviews I actually did, which ironically was. Anne Hathaway, when she was launching Double Wears Prada. Oh, wow. I went to New York to shoot it. My editor, um, my beauty director at the time was beauty editor, and we went together. And we did this shoot, and I remember interviewing her. It just was very funny to me now, because I look back and I was interviewing the star of the show that's about this crazy American fashion magazine, you know. And um, I did this at Milk Studios. So it kind of came crazy full circle. I always feel like, I've had so many lucky breaks. The lucky breaks have obviously been driven by this determination that it's an ambition. It's a quiet ambition, I think I have, but I've always, you know, enjoyed work and I enjoy the satisfaction you get with doing a job well, like you. You know, you do a great interview or you do something that you're proud of and it's a good day. Um, And I think that's always taken me to the next step, too. I like what you just said about quiet ambition. I think that people who feel any type of ambition feel that it needs to be loud and very pervasive and and very in front of your face. And and I think it's quite lovely to think of something where it's a quiet hustle and something I always tell myself when people ask me their best piece, like what's my best piece of advice to always keep your blinders on and like to keep your kind of your head down, keep working, like obviously know what's in the market and know what your competition is. But like at the end of the day, the hustle's for you. I've always been dying to know when I interview another journalist, like what goes through their head as I'm interviewing them? Like, what is it like on the other side? So I want to hear a little bit about what your preparation for an interview is like, because you've interviewed like everyone on the planet. You just mentioned Anne Hathaway. 
You've been on e-red carpets for the Oscars and a million different things, Fashion Week. So would love to hear a little bit about your process. Really great question. I'm a prepper. There is no doubt about it. I am a thorough prepper when it comes to, you know, even someone I've interviewed a hundred times, like I did Rihanna. Casual? Um, a couple of, casual, casual. I'll just drop the album right there. Um, <laughs> You know, I was interviewing her and I, I will still read up on what she's been doing recently, of course, then go a little bit deeper than that and like think about the people that she's related to and how what they doing and like how does that feed into her, what she's doing and look and beyond, if, yes, I'm interviewing about fashion and beauty, but what else floats about? Like what else can I bring into this conversation that's not just about the obvious? And mark my words, half of it gets cut in, in the edit. I know that. But there's also something about the rapport and the respect yes. that you have then for the person you're interviewing. It doesn't matter if it's like, that immediate bond. If somebody comes to me, like you already know stuff about me. I know I can tell because you've prepped. And I think that's exactly the same. If, I, if it's Rihanna, Priyanka Chopra, Kim Kardashian, like something unexpected is quite nice because it also gets people out of their their press release moment right because yes. you turn into oh well, this is my answer and I know you've said it 50 times at this point because you're on a junket and I'm like you know what let's throw something let's throw a spanner in the wrench then yeah definitely there was a story that I think it was actually it was a Rihanna story she was on the cover of Vogue I think maybe last year two years ago I have no concept of time anymore guys I'm very yeah. sorry what year is it Oh, yeah, that I one. don't even know. <laughs> but the writer who did it, I love her writing. I think she's extremely talented. So no, this is no shame to her in any way. But there was a big conversation around her story, the article that she wrote about Rihanna, because in the beginning, she had said that, you know, the interview came up the day before. She had no time to prep and she walked in completely blind. And I remember it being this like whole conversation on Twitter of people being like, this is sending the wrong message about what journalism should really be prep is so necessary and it just shows a certain respect level for the talent that you're interviewing. But it was a full Vogue story about how she had like come in fully blind. Wow. You see, yeah. what would you do in that situation? I, I, what would you I would pull an all-nighter. 100%. I'm a prepper too, by the way. Like, sorry, not to creep you out, but like, Love you know you. what I mean? That's just me in a nutshell. Like I spend weeks before I go into an interview, I listen to like all of your podcasts and I like go on Reddit channels. I'm weird. So no, like, that, no. I was almost offended when I saw that story. I was like, what? No, you're so right. You pull an all-nighter and you make it happen. I yeah. completely agree. And that's why you're good at what you do and it shows. And that's why you will continue to have a long career in it. Because I think people who can just, you know, maybe some people are amazingly talented and they can just like wing it. But I, right. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm 100% not either. What's going through your head the minute before an interview starts? You know what I always do before an interview? When I'm interviewing somebody, I have three things that I can always go back to in my pocket. Like literally sometimes I have them written down in my pocket. Three questions that you know off by heart. You can, even in a pinch, if something goes wrong, if someone turns around and says they're walking away, you can ask this, bring them back into it. Like just have three golden nuggets you can throw at any time. So before I interview them, that's what's going through my head. And then also something that like bonds you into that moment, right? If someone, I don't know, if you're talking to, um, Billy Porter's coming up to me, but then I see behind that Claire Danes was just checking out his outfit. Then it's like, 
oh my God, did you see the look? And then just break it in that way and bring it into that very moment is just relaxes everybody, right? Yeah. You need an icebreaker. I love that. I have a lot of, the majority of our listeners are people who are just starting out their careers and finding their footing. And there is something really to be said about your journey from editorial and print to now being able to do live television. And that I think is the goal of so many young journalists out there who are trying to make it. What's your best advice for transitioning from one medium to another? Hmm. Do it for the right reasons. Do it because you want to actually tell a story or give advice. Um, I did it for more, it was less storytelling. It was more about, you know, I went from a beauty journalist into fashion styling, really. I was an editor. So it was more about, you know, shooting these amazing models in gorgeous locations, wearing Gucci head to toe and being a brilliant photographer. And as glamorous as it was, I didn't find it very rewarding for me because I didn't see the takeaway for anybody who was reading it. I thought it was quite unachievable and unrelatable. I didn't come from that. The the looks that I was styling people in, these supermodels in were more than my annual salary. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I, I miss the takeaway of beauty and I miss that journalism and I miss that imparting great tips and tricks. So, you know, I was the girl who was like, oh, let's do under 100 page. Let's do shoot real girls who were like really inspirational, cool girls. Much to the other editors, like I would get, they would just be like, you want to do what? You want to shoot like the cheap books? You want to do all the Target? I was like, yeah, that's real life. Yep. Um, yep. But to like, to, long story, like answer this in a very roundabout way, but that's what inspired me to then do TV. Because the TV stuff I started with was very much the Today Show, the Rachel Ray shows, the views. And it was like five looks and the 50 bucks for everybody type. You know, and it's challenging for me, but you also knew that when people were watching this at home, they were getting really good value. They were getting loads of advice and hopefully some fun and entertainment. That was really the, re- I went into it to actually help people. Like, I love that. Be real. Be real about it. I'd love to talk a little bit about the inception of Milk Makeup. I moved to New York in 2012, which I feel like was, I remember being in college and having milk makeup really be on the rise during that time and having it be kind of like the it makeup brand of New York. Like if you were going to fashion week, because back then, like everything was at milk studios. It was just such a part of the rapport of a really, really cool and fun and creative time in New York from my distant memory at this point. Wow. Would love to talk about the inception of it, how you went from, you know, doing everything you were just saying to being like, I want to start a beauty brand. Well, I was definitely not alone. So basically I was doing, you know, the magazine stuff, the TV stuff. And simultaneously I was living at Milk because Milk was founded by Milk Studios, downtown New York, for those who don't know, and also in LA, was founded by my, uh, co-founded by my husband, Rossi. And Coming from England as a beauty editor, I, we would always talk about like, what would it look like? What would a beauty line look like? I was always bugging him about it. And then he was the one who kind of banded this team together with myself, four very, very different co-founders, by the way, myself from an editorial background, Georgie Gravel, who's the creative director. She's a film director by trade. She's worked at MTV. She's won VMAs. Awesome. Super cool. And then Rossi. And then we brought in Diana Ruth, who is the product wizard. But to backtrack on all of that, like milk, the, the genesis of it was really 
sitting in those fashion shows you just referenced, being on shoot at Milk Studios all the time, watching these amazing characters and people and creatives walk around the studio because they kind of lived and worked there. They partied there. They worked there. Yes. People would like stay there for 24 hours. Oh my God, completely. Well, we had yeah. the jam room downstairs. So there's like mm-hmm. jam room in the basement, which you've seen like Patti Smith play, play to Kanye West. Then you have the gallery, which was just like all the upcoming artists, like the most established, like Sam Haskins to a Luca Sabat does an exhibition there. And then you have the studios upstairs, which is just filled with creative people doing great shoots. And then there's a bar in there as well. So it's just like this hangout of wonderful, creative people. And we would just sit in the lobby and just watch these. It was like being in a Pinterest page, I always say, because you just watch like the cool girl who works in the equipment room with like a crazy inky black eyeliner and fresh face skin, or then the androgynous model with crazy big bushy eyebrows and like a lollipop flip. And the way they wore makeup was so unique. And it really was the opposite to the look we were seeing being created in the studio for fashion shoots. Wow. Right? It, was, it wasn't this like full face caked on. It was fresh. It was always done on the go. There was always someone doing it in the bathroom. You know, it was easy, effortless, and also we realized that they had very high standards. Like these people were aware of what they were putting on their faces and it had to be clean. You know, vegan was definitely something we wanted to do from the get-go. I loved what you were saying earlier about the fact that this line was created based on a community. And I don't think that's something that you hear often. It's usually inspired by something a little bit more specific. Can you talk a little bit about how that became what it is today? Gosh, this community was is everything. It's um, from like 26 years of Milk Studios, you know, that these the trendsetters and from entertainment and music and fashion and beauty, and they've all like come through Milk. And they inspired Milk Makeup and still do today. But we also realized that the way they wore makeup and how they wore makeup was not just in the small club in New York City. It was everywhere. The girl in Nebraska did the same. The girl in Ohio was wearing it the same. So that's when we realized that, oh gosh, there's there's a need for this. There's an absolute white space. But the community are everything, you know, they 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 champion their own looks. They wear makeup in such a cool way. They live their look. And that's why we always said live your look. I love that. You mentioned your husband earlier. I'd love Mm -hmm. if you could tell us how the two of you met and what working together is like, because I cannot imagine the boundaries that need to be set in order to make that work. Um, It's we're learning. We're still learning, especially during quarantine. Especially now. (laughs) This has been fun. Um, Yeah, it's intense. Some weeks are great and they're fun. You're like, oh, look. And then we've now got the kids at school. So we're like, oh gosh, this is great. And then all of a sudden it's like back-to-back calls and I'm fighting for the office. I'm like, my turn, your turn, my turn. Um, But so I met him at Milk. So to your point, even about this community, it's so funny because Milk really is the place where you, you meet people. I met accidentally my husband there when I was on a shoot. He and I met there and then he banded this team together and we started Milk Makeup. Uh, we both have a lot of other things going on, which I have to say has been a saving grace because we're not in this 24-7 Milk Makeup world together at all times. For us, that's necessary. We could not be in each other's pocket all the time. But when we started Milk Makeup, 
we had between myself, Rossi, my husband, Georgie and Diana, the other two co-founders, we all had kids under the age of two. We had five kids under the age of two between four of us. Wow. So everything about milk makeup was really informed about by the fact that we were busy on the go parents. We were working hard. We were parenting hard. We were playing still somewhat. And we needed things that were not only that you could do in three minutes flat with one hand while another kid was hanging off you, but also clean. Um, you know, I can yeah. this stuff up, smearing it on their faces, wanting to play with it. So that definitely informs some of our early launches and all the idea that most of milk makeup is, you know, the tool, the component is the tool. Everything that you guys have put together almost feels like at least my favorite pieces like are push poppy. Yes. I love that. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, that's just like, maybe that's like the inner child in me, but like, I love that. It actually makes you, like, it makes me want to put the makeup on and have fun with it. Well, that's the thing. And when and all of our formulas are so light, they melt in. We have this thing called milk melt technology. So it doesn't sit on top of your skin. Like you're really wearing makeup. It just melts right, right in. So it kind of, you can layer it, you can build it, you can pop it on, on the go. There's lots of sticks. So we have a sunshine skin tint, which is our, OG skew. It was a cult favorite from the beginning. It's the best. It's got um, a dispenser. It's basically made from a medical dispenser. So it's got a button on the end, a plastic tube as a triple threat, we call it. It's a, um, a skin tint, an SPF, and also an oil in one. So it's like oh, wow. beautiful sheer coverage, no silicone in it, vegan, coral reef safe SPF. Also, and it's got a roller ball. So you just click, click the pen roll it onto your face, just one swoop, and then rub it in, brush it in, however you like to wear it, and you're done. It's the easiest on-the-go tint foundation, SPF hydrator we've ever seen. And um, yeah, that's that's exactly what you need for the, like, the busy multitasker. It's the multitasker for multitaskers. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea. Even just you kind of describing this to me, Something that's coming to mind is the fact that your husband is a co-founder and over the past couple of years, especially I think with a lot of the new and emerging beauty brands, we've seen that beauty is is very gender fluid. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that has maybe been an aspect of building milk makeup, especially with your husband as a co-founder and like how his perspective has changed the way that you guys are working. It's super interesting to me. Yeah. You know, what's interesting with him. So he because he designed milk, obviously, and, as, and if anyone's right. milk logo, it's very clean. Um, very. And about milk, makeup is also very clean, theoretically and metaphorically and literally. The logo itself is, he liked that because it looks so architectural. Everything you th- see milk, you think utility. Right? I like to call it beautility because beauty meets utility. Wow. Just the- I love that. <laughs> but that was very much informed by Rossi's aesthetic in a way. You know, it's these clean lines, no fuss, everything's pared back. You don't need extra tools. You don't need extra verbiage about what it does to your skin. It's very to the point and streamlined. And that I think has very much come from, from Rossi's aesthetic. But you guys are your best marketers. I mean, even the other day when I was on your Instagram, I, I was so happy to see you doing a TikTok. Like, I think for brand marketing, TikTok is genius. And just even watching you do it with 
your makeup. I'm just like, I can understand how that is so impactful to a potential consumer. Yeah, it's it was phenomenal. One of our team put one of the first ones on and it had millions of views within seconds. Right. It was insane the number and that and it, yes, it does. It it's great for brand awareness. It does spike sales. It also lets you in on the brand from a different angle. Like it's less it's more lo-fi than yes. the Instagram posts. You, you get to know some of the people behind Milk Makeup. We love ASMR and using all the sound effects with all of us. Yes. Because it's um, our makeup is like that. It's like swoosh, dot, pop, you know, and you can really yeah. like sound it all out really well because it's so quick and easy to use. So yeah, it's been a great tool for us. You know, we've been trying out reels as well. And, you know, I think a lot about the situation we're in right now and we've all learned to adopt all these new methods of communication. And from a sales perspective, even on Milk Makeup, we have now virtual consults, which are doing so well. So you can book a 15-minute session with any wow. of our amazing field team, or you could end up with one of us at some point. So like, I'm just going to jump in and do it. But it's, it's really fun and people are really learning a lot. And I love the personal connection with customers because we're not we're really missing that and we're craving it. And you know, if someone wants to know what's the best base and the best eyeliner and how to really apply that cat eye flawlessly, these are the people who can help you. So I'm biased, but my favorite of your multi-hyphenate roles, you're a fashion correspondent for E! News. What has that been like in COVID time? Because I didn't even know Fashion Week was happening, if you want me to be honest, <laughs> until I saw it on your Instagram. And I was just like, go get them, Tiger. Like, be be the representative for the other thousands of us that are just going to watch from home. You could see my face right now, people at home. My head, <laughs> my head is in my hands. Yeah, that was interesting. Look, I think there were fashion, so fashion shows, they were happening. I want to support the industry as much as I can at a time like this when people are not really maybe investing in fashion and you know there's people who are willing to put themselves out there and do it so I work for E and we have this big megaphone so it was like yeah of course I will report on these and talk to my friends and be very real about it we didn't hide anything it was like okay there's no elephant in the room here we're very much all wearing masks and it's a fashion show and we're not curing it necessarily but we are still trying to help this industry which is struggling right now so that was that um, when it comes to red carpets, oh my gosh. So we had, cause we always do the Met special. We always do a CFDA. Yes. Like that's my go-to coverage for a lot of things. So it's, so that was May, May and June. So I, I did <laughs> Brad and I, I was at home here. Um, he was in LA and we were doing a special between us for E, which was hilarious and fun. It was kind of like more of a retrospective. Oscars has been put back till April. I haven't heard on the Globes. Uh, which is usually in January. I don't know. I'm missing it terribly. I'm missing like being out there. I'm missing prep that goes around it. And for me, you know, the stuff that I bring to that is much about me doing a lot of research with the people in the industry. So they're all my friends as well. So I'm talking to all the stylists. I'm talking to all the brands. I'm talking to all the hair and the makeup artists. So I curate, collect all this information, then I can impart it to the viewers. So not like communicating with them is going to be, it's been weird for a minute. I hope it happens. I hope we can all get back. What's exciting you the most right now? The idea of a vaccine. Valid. (laughs) No, exciting me, you know, exciting me is actually um, the team at Mill Makeup. I have to be really honest. Like I was, I flitter, I've got so many other things going on and I wasn't spending 
you know, all day, every day with them or even in regular meetings. But now since this has all happened, we are so much more close as a team. We are Zooming regularly. I'm working with certain people much more regularly. And it's exciting. And there's full of so many amazing ideas, like such a smart bunch, like so smart and so fun. So watching how that's all working, is bit, that's exciting for me. I'm excited for the future of milk and the industry generally, if these are the kind of people who are going to be leading it. I've been saying that a lot lately where, you know, it, no matter what job you have, if you are a multi-hyphenate or someone who focuses on many different things, quarantine has been an opp- opportunity to really focus in on the one thing that you're working on. Like, no one's asking me to go to dinner tonight. There's no event that I need to be at. Yeah. There's no parties this weekend or anything like that. Like, that's not really. And that's a big part of your energy intake when you think about it on a normal basis. Huge. Huge. So just the ability like over the past nine months to just sit at home, focus on one thing has allowed me to see just like you, the more joyful sides of it that I maybe didn't appreciate totally in normal times. So funny you say how much energy it sucks out of you because it's not just the event itself, the two or three hours, four hours you might spend the prep. It's not even about the the recovery. (laughs) It takes a lot of emotional energy from you if you are somebody that works in a very social heavy uh, profession. It's a lot of emotional energy that you are taking away from maybe your day job or other things going on in your life. So to just kind of hone in has been a really rewarding experience. Did you find it, and I'm interested just as another creative, did you find it stressful in any way because you thought you had to start like really cranking out the content? I think I'm at, I'm 26. I'm at an, I've had this show for about a year and a half. And I think I'm maybe a lot of people listening to this right now can relate, but you have a, at, at this age, you kind of have a, a roadmap for where you want to be. And I think every year makes a difference. Every year I've noticed different things in my career change. So for me, I think my instinctual reaction in the beginning of this was like, how are you not going to fall behind in this moment? And that was a lot of pressure. I, it took me a couple of months to like unravel that pressure and be like, if you make it out of this scene, great. Uh, like that's the much, point. Too much. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, it's a lot. But I think at the same time, I've made, I've set manageable expectations for myself of like, okay, if you can consistently be putting out good shows that resonate with people and help them through this time, that's great. You know, one of the best things we actually did um, at the beginning of quarantine was join with a group of other beauty founders. And it was all facilitated by Moish from BeautyCon. But she gathered a bunch of us. She knows us all. So there was Rossi and myself. Moish were just like, there's something in this that's really powerful to help everyone else who's going through this. And then that quickly pivoted to helping Frontline and people at the Javits Center and getting funds and supplies. So it was myself, Moish, Rossi, and so many amazing beauty founders. Like so you had Bobby Brown, Anastasia, Victoria Beckham, Drew Barrymore. Like everyone came together, and then we edited amazing. This video. Like Rossi and I were literally set up at like three in the morning editing this video with all these fabulous people in it. But to do that was so worthwhile, you know, and that's what kept me sane at the beginning. I always like to end the show with asking my guests to tag a friend who is inspiring you most right now. Who should we be watching, listening to um, that is is positively impacting you right now? Oh, gosh, what a great question. I want to tag my dear friend, Jen Goldstein, 
Fat Mascara, which is another podcast. And you guys should do something together because it would be so fun. Love that. She's an ex-beauty editor as well, like myself. And she's so fun and irreverent and awesome. So, and I think we're in that podcast sphere together. I'll make sure to put her podcast in the description of this episode for anybody curious. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have met you and learn more about you. And I know my audience is very grateful too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.